So, uh, the final chapters we went over more of Joyharo's past. The poem that uh, the title is is in these last few parts of the book, and some more information on her grandfather. Uh, these last few pages, I felt they were a little bit more lucid compared to the other uh, initial, I guess, chapters. If you want to call it that. Um, also, it ended off with like a thank you to everyone that read or the people that inspired her, I guess. Yeah, on page 109, it says, I don't know what this, how to say it, but N-V-T-O. I searched it up and it means thank you. Mm -hmm. A few times. What did you think it meant? I don't know. I guess thank you. I mean, besides that, <laughs> like, who do you think it's thanking? I don't know, like the the readers or yeah, maybe for listening stories or yeah, for ancestors maybe. <clears throat> Um, so who's discussion leader? Is that you, James? Yeah, I'm okay. Do you want to start off with your questions? Sure. So what page did we start off on? Like, uh... 99. 99? Yeah. Okay, I accidentally started a little bit early. So on page 95, does the quote lightning in their fist make you think of anything emotional or related to the book? What was it? Uh, on page 95, does the quote lightning in your fist make you think of anything emotional or related to the book? I think of Thor. Um, maybe it's having the power within your own hands. Wait, is lightning... Okay, lightning is like the one you can see, right? Yeah, thunder you can hear. Okay, yeah, so like, like having the power. That's what I see. And what do you guys think? I don't know. I, I didn't actually read that part this time around, so I kind of forgot about that section. I think it's more... Go ahead, Mario. Oh, I don't have anything. I think it's more like uh, emotions compared to actual like feelings. Because before it says, beyond the sunrise, there is a song we follow. Beyond clouds traveling with rain humped on their backs, lightning in their fist. It's more like uh, the rage or 
emotions of uh, anger against other people. I agree. I get where that would make sense. Yeah, me too. I guess let's move on to the second question. Uh, on page 95, how do you think the poem relates to real life? Well, again, with Wait, what page? 99? Yeah. Um, which can relate to history. I feel like all of her writing is based around nature and her emotions due to certain events rather than the series of events themselves. So I feel like she always talks about, like she talked about the singing tree, and then, what was the other thing we said she talked about, Maya? Birds. 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 Yeah. So she always kind of comes back to those small little details in nature. And I'm having trouble, like, pinpointing exactly why. But obviously, nature plays a significant role in her life. I can definitely understand that. And I definitely agree with that. Sorry, I do feel like this noise. one also like kind of uh, symbolizes her beliefs and how she feels like a person should act in day-to-day -day, day -day life. Like if they face a problem, they shouldn't get discouraged and continue with their life. What do you think? Yeah. Jane? Okay. No, that was just a yeah, I didn't have anything to follow it. Okay. What do you think she means in the very last sentence on page 99, where she goes, together, let's go toward the highest place? What do you think she's referring to? Maybe, maybe if we can, like, be good, like, somehow we'll be rewarded in one way or another. I don't really know much about their religion, so I don't know how the whole afterlife thing works. But I'm sure it's like, if you're good, you go to a better place, you stay, to, if you like, I don't know, follow the religion like you're supposed to, everything will turn out fine, even if the events that occur to you aren't exactly that great. Yeah. We'll get through this, I think, is the whole message. Mm -hmm. Want to move on to the next question, James? Sure. So the story on page a hundred. Do you think there's a? Do you think it's important to real life, or do you think it's important to Joy Hara? I feel like um, it's kind of important to both because because this book has such like an abstract, not concept, but just like the way she tells us about stuff it feels it's really powerful and important to kind of have like actual um historical kind of facts even if it is just what happened in her life to kind of kind of tie together the story and like reality and it kind of it is still kind of uh, fantastical but yeah it just kind of ties the whole idea together i missed the what page is that on 100. 100. Oh, 100. 
Yeah, it's basically the same thing. Continuing on with what was on the page before. I'd um, agree with you. Adding on to that, do you think it's important to the story? Yeah, I think it's important for the reader to get background. And it, it does help enhance the story. Yeah, it does. I feel like a lot of the time she shows us what she's feeling and then she then afterwards tells us exactly what happened to back up what she's feeling instead of the opposite. Yeah, the so you have to believe her a lot more. Yeah, she has a lot of credibility, credibility in that sense. I can definitely see that. Next question. All right, so as the story got along like you read more do you think it got more understandable or do you think it got less informative or so on i feel like we really kind of began to understand her writing style like as the time went by we got adjusted to it so i don't think the book is changing in any way i just think we're changing like our perceptive perception of the book yeah i feel like that was pretty spot on i feel like now that we've like come to the end and she's wrapping it up like just now do we start to understand exactly how she wrote the book because at the beginning i'll agree that i had to read some of the parts over again because i'm just like what are you trying to say lady but um... okay so last question uh 105 is the page of the poem that has the title of the book do you think this poem means anything to you after reading it or reading the book, and do you think it has any special meanings or specific message that you think relates to the rest of the book? Let me just reread it for a quick second. I feel like this exact poem is very spiritual because she mentions a lot, like her ancestors, she mentions nature, she mentions um, Christianity. She mentions the devil. I feel like it's just a lot in one poem. And it's very, what's that word? Powerful? Yeah, I'd say powerful. Just a lot at once. And I don't think she's ever put that much out into like one small section. But I feel like the poem isn't necessarily like a bad, like it's like, a good ending to the story like up until this point if she's trying to wrap it up in any way yeah it would have made a little bit more sense for it to be like the very very end though or at the very beginning because like if you title a poem the same that you title a book it shows probably it has like most importance or um, it's the most powerful because she kind of put it towards the end, but not exactly towards at the end. It kind of decreases its meaning, but it is still kind of powerful because it hits every single like theme and idea that she referenced throughout the book to kind of, yes, wrap it up. But it just the placing was not the best. Do you think she maybe had um, a reason to place it not directly at the end? I'm sure she did. I just feel like it's not a very obvious reason. I think it's more so the last sentence of that poem because it just summarizes basically what her main point was that really like shows off the rest of the poem. It's definitely a little awkward in the placement, 
because it could have went at the very start of the uh, book to show like what her main point was. Yeah, I feel like. How... Go ahead. I'm sorry. I know that was all. Okay, I feel like depending on the person, you'd want it like at the beginning or end. Because personally, I think I'd rather have it at the end rather than the beginning because I like to walk things through, then know what happens at the end rather than knowing what happens. Because some shows are like that, and then getting the series of events, it just makes me all confused. But I feel mm -hmm. like placing necessarily isn't that bad i don't know yeah i kind of agree with you it is it's good that it's at the end because i mean not like it's spoiling anything because it's history and we kind of all know about it already um i feel like it could be really helpful in either place but since it's not at the very beginning or very end it kind of loses a little bit of its meaning what do you think she means when she says we are Ameri we are still America and then just OV at the end, period, nothing to follow? Because I think we think of America um, kind of as individuals because we think of this place as like the land of the free and we're not a very like united country. We have a lot of like opposing ideas and people and sides, which is fine because that's really the only way you can change. But we're very like anti-togetherness. Like we're always trying to do things by ourselves. Like with, with um, there's a song I heard the other day. The line was like, um, we're surrounded by people all the time, but we're still so alone or something like that. And I kind of felt like what she's telling us is that um, we need to work on being together or else the whole concept of America kind of just falls apart. So we have to be a we instead of an I. I agree. So yeah, we I hit agree. that one. Okay. So, did you have like questions for your part or no? Um, yeah, I was the evidence checker. I'm not entirely sure what evidence I'm supposed to be checking. But I think I, I guess one. <laughs> what? Sorry. I think I did the same one. It was the only one that I hadn't done. I wasn't sure. I didn't do that one either. Oh well, we'll probably have different ideas anyways. You can you can actually start if you'd like. Okay. Um, I went in a strange order, but I started off on page 107. Oh, 106. Sorry. There's a poem called Bless This Land. And in this, Joy provides us with solid evidence that she gives us about her home and how it makes her feel. She talks about her surroundings, like very specific detail and they have in her life. Um, I thought this was very um, interesting because she talks about her memories. She explains it to us as if they were our own memories. Like she's, she's trying to, um, words <laughs> she's trying to describe them to us as if we live them and we are trying she's trying to remind us what happened so i thought that was very interesting what do you think is the significance of that when she wrote it in that way i definitely agree with you in that part yeah it is um kind of unique from what she normally does because i guess um 
she writes about like a solid idea, but she kind of expands it more like an artistic way. It all kind of about the same thing and comes together. The part that uh, stands out to me in this poem is, bless us, these lands said the rememberer. These lands aren't our lands, the lands, these lands aren't your lands, we are this land. More so like stating that while we may have this land, it's not ours. We live on it, it's not ours. You live on it, it's not yours. We have just been here and we live on it. We don't own it. Yeah, because it's a very like human concept to own land versus like the rest of every other species on earth just kind of goes about it and they don't really, yes, some species claim territory, but they don't, I don't know, they, yeah, I forgot what I was saying with that. Yeah, I basically, I feel like that's all there is to say about that one. Um, should I move on to the next question? Sure. Okay, so on page 101, the poem, by the way, she does a lot of comparison to things that we already know in history, like um, Hoover Dan, and she talks about the president and James Baldwin. Just a lot of historical figures and ideas. And um, my question was what, okay, wait, <laughs> I wrote it down. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. I'll just change it now. What do you think the, um, these people in history that she talk, talks about related to her personal life? I could just do James Baldwin. He's right in the middle. I had to look him up. He's an American novelist. Is that it? I still don't know who he is. Well, he wrote about um, like racial, sexism, class discourse. That's kind of what I got. Yeah, I he played a very white um, Yeah, what you just said. I don't know how to word that any differently. Yeah in racial discrimination, he played a big role in trying to get that out there. <laughs> How do you think she relates to him? And of course, there's the different situations that they're in, but they're- Well, it's just interesting how, I don't know, like, <laughs> we really talk about, when we talk about like racial discrimination, we talk about black versus white, and then Asian versus white. We don't really talk about, you know, like Native Americans who were here long before us and are a lot kinder to, I don't know, like the earth and they weren't so intent on destruction. And like, even now, like during this Black Lives Matter movement, it's become such a big thing. And yet like up in Canada and Nova Scotia, I think there's a whole deal about Native Americans being discriminated against, like in just like the fishing industry and no one's really talking about it. So it's interesting to see how like different ideas can hold different power. So James Baldwin, I think he talks more about like black versus white, which of course is a very important um, 
separation, but it's interesting how she brings up different points that as an American, we don't really think about when it comes to like a divided nation. I totally agree with that. I feel like we only talk about um, black versus white, but there's so many more. There's so many, like everything, everyone. And yeah, I feel like you did a good job of explaining that even in today's society. I definitely agree. But to add on, it's mostly because the fact that we're so separated compared to every other country. Uh, America is the only one with like a really like we're one of the few countries that really acknowledge the fact that we're like terrible to people in the past, like uh, Spain, per se. And the Aztecs or Incas, they literally uh, conquered most of the Incas, and they still haven't mentioned anything. We mentioned the fact that we had slavery. Germany mentioned the fact that they had Nazis, and also the fact that they uh, purposely treated uh, Jewish people terribly. They've learned from that. But um, let's take Canada or uh, England, per se. They don't say anything about uh, the Irish people or Scottish people and how they want independence. They just ignore it. Yeah, actually in Canada, there's a lot of racial issues, which is kind of surprising because it's like we kind of view Canada as like such like a high. We just view them like really on a high pedestal because we think they're perfect compared to us. But it's like they're still people and people are going to find differences and issues in people. And we're going to not like each other because of that. And actually, um, I read a book, which I keep referencing, I guess, not the same book, but I keep referencing books um, about this civil war, not civil war, like a civil discourse in Spain with Fidel. No, that's that's Cuba. Anyways, there was a leader. He was really oppressive and no one talks about it. So it is interesting how I guess the world kind of focuses all the the hatred and bigotry into us, which, of course, is understandable because we're not <laughs> we're not angels in any way. Um, but I guess the world is kind of silent about their problems and they'd just rather blame us for every single wrong that we've done rather than, I guess, using us as an example to better themselves. That's true. And I feel like compared, if like all the other countries in the world did what we did, we don't even say everything. I feel like a lot of the time, even our president currently, he doesn't want us to be teaching all of that stuff in school because he's like super what's that word patriotic oh um i think maybe he just like takes so much pride in his country that he doesn't want to accept all the horrible things we've done but i feel like if any other country were to say as much as we say because a lot of countries were a lot worse than we are and don't get me wrong like we are horrible but a lot of countries were 10 times worse and i think it's crazy how they just kind of forget about it like no that didn't happen like do you have proof yeah because we are such like a young country and it's it's recent it's like all this has happened within like okay anywhere from like a span of like 500 years from when the spaniards got here to like the last 300 years when we started like colonizing which is insane because that's like i don't know not that long ago versus i guess the rest of the world like I'm in world history and we talked about the Mongols and it's like, I guess because it was so long ago, people can find like separation, but it's like, no, because yeah, it happened. You got to, 
and there's still, I guess, like effects that are ricocheting because like when China, um, I think it was when China like took over Hong Kong and they made like a promise, like you can be your own country for like a hundred years. And then once the time comes, you, you're going to be part of China now. And all of a sudden it's like, there's so many racial issues, just even between two different like Asian ethnicities, which I guess as American people, we don't really talk about because we're very, you know, we don't really, we just <laughs> overall people. We don't really, we're very ignorant in the, the rest yeah. of the world in general. I mean, we definitely also have this issue because if you think about it, Hawaii was technically never like formally uh, like put into America as a state. Instead, we conquered it. And then we just said, you're now a state. We never admitted the fact that we literally killed their queen and then just took over the entire state of Hawaii. That's conquering for you. It's yeah. America. Very recently, too, which is terrifying. Oh, yeah, back to Canada. Apparently, most of them are druggies. Really? Nice. Any other questions? Anyways. Yes, any other questions? Yeah, I had another question. That was basically the same one I asked in the beginning because James, um, he mentioned how she said thank you. And she it says, I don't know how to say that. It's on page 109. It says M-V-T-O, Voto. And I had to say, like, what was she trying to say? And it says thank you. And it's basically just trying to ask what she's saying thank you to. Is it more people reading the book? Is it more her ancestors? Is it for listening to her life story? I made a partial response to this in my uh, paper, and I'm going to say that it's four different thank yous. Like, one is to the reader for reading. The other one is to her grandpa. One is to her uh, ancestors, and one is to her mother or her family. What about her? I didn't even think about it like that. I was like, why is she saying it four times? But that makes sense now. That's a good point, James. I'm uh, writing that down. And then my last question was basically to evaluate the credibility of the author. And I basically think that at this point, I trust her. I feel like she's very credible. She gives us information. She gives us facts and what happened part by part. And then she tells us how she feels about those things. It's not just like, it's how I feel, but she's gonna give us any evidence. And I feel like throughout the book, she does that spread out. You don't get it like in that format. You just kind of have to read and figure out what she meant by that. But I think that Joy Harjo is a very credible author. Yeah, definitely. I feel like she could tell me about really anything and I would kind of believe her because she's just set herself up so well that there's really no room to argue because she's just, she knows so much more than I ever thought there was to know. And I just, it's interesting. I, don't, I think I don't, I think as Americans, we don't really give enough credit to the people who were here before us, but the way she writes, it kind of makes you really think about, I guess, our whole past and how we've affected, how we've like sent out waves as we've changed the world. I think she's 
Yeah, I definitely agree. I think she's mostly credible because she doesn't care whether or not she's actually giving out some like emotional bit of information and whether or not it's like logical. I feel like she puts she puts out there and leaves it for the reader to analyze. And I don't think she's trying to necessarily get us to like believe her, like this is why you should believe me. You just kinda do. Yeah. Okay, so that is all of my questions. Okay, I guess that means it's my turn. We only had five pages, so. Yeah. So for the first question, I had to identify the evidence that she used. And of course, it's, it's pathos, so she really focuses on emotion. But it's also a mix of like using actual factual evidence. But I think the factual evidence is a lot more stronger in this section because it was so, so in fact, very short. So what do you guys think that you agree? Do you disagree? What do you feel that was like most, I guess, prominent in this section? I could agree with the pathos thing. I wrote the same thing. I just forgot to say it. Um, yeah, she does use a lot of lot more factual evidence in this section because she is wrapping up the book. She doesn't want to leave any ends loose except the ones that like like the very end when she says thank you and stuff like that. But like besides that, she's basically tying it all together. So it's less of her emotions. Of course there's emotions in it because that's just who she is, but yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's definitely pathos in this part of the book, but I definitely feel like she added a lot more uh, evidence as well. So I'm agreeing completely because some of the best examples of like her using evidence is kind of like uh, her tying in the picture of Venus on a seashell uh, in the quote, Venus on a seashell with a dagger, literally referencing the uh, image painting. And then the next one would be I'm pretty sure she mentioned Columbus in this part. Um, Hoover, uh, James Baldwin, the Blues, and a lot more. Yeah, she's really um, kind of, I guess, bringing the reader back into reality with this is not like such an abstract idea. This is something that happened, and these are the people, events, the things that have really. Um, I guess, like, shaped or helped made the story more relevant. Okay. Um, I don't know what else to add to that. There you go. So I had two I feel like we didn't really talk about it this much or that much in this. What was that? Book two. Oh, okay. It's just our groups for the next book, I guess. Yeah. Cool. Okay, well, anyways, um, I feel like we didn't really, I feel like we kind of vaguely went over it a little bit in the book, but I feel like we don't really talk about 
how nature is really intertwined with people. And in the whole bless this land section, I really like how she goes over how, like, even though we have a lot of differences, the differences make us people and they kind of make this land more emotion, not emotionally, just more diverse in general. Like, I'm wondering what, what part of the bless this land section that you guys found the most powerful and most important. Like in the, in the whole end of the book, what we thought was most important? No, like, um, so when I was reading Bless This Land, I, I kind of found the most powerful yeah. parts being the less the femaleness and the maleness of the land and um, less the destruction of this land kind of little portion. So what did you guys think were, what did you really resonate with? I felt the part that uh, stood out to me the most was the very end of the uh, poem. The uh, part which mentions like ownership and etc. I kind of agree. I thought the part where it says her ancestors, she always brings up her past and I feel like that is a very crucial part in the writing right there. And she ends it with we are this land. We always get back into it. I feel like it's kind of sim symbolism for like, you know, when we die, some people like people will have different methods of what they want to do after they die. But like most people, I think get married, not married. Oh my God, buried. And your body's going back into the earth and it's a cycle. We are the land. You're going to go back into it. It's where you came from. Yeah. Um, there's a quote that's like, we're born from the earth. Um, and then we die to go back into the earth and in between we garden. And I just thought that you can really see that in the, like, the Native American culture because they, of course, believe off living off the land versus, you know, the whole. What we're doing. Yeah, we we live against the land and we are all falls apart. I feel like uh, she directly mentions this in the uh, like fifth, I guess, paragraph of the poem, because it just states, bless the arms and hands of this land for they remake and restore beauty, like recycling and creating. Yeah. Anything else or should I move on? Um, I think we can move on to the next question. Okay, so I'm just trying to find parts that you didn't already talk about. I think that's actually it. That's yeah. all your questions? Yeah, I just, um, it was really similar to what's already been said, so I'm not really going to go over them. Yeah, because well, we have the same part. I feel like we always do that. <laughs> yeah, it happens because there's so little of us. Yeah. All right. So I was wondering, how do you think the flow of the book went? Like after you finished reading it? Um, I feel like it's kind of weird for me because I don't really read books for this long of a time. And it wasn't even that long of a time. 
But, you know, we somehow managed to space out a 109-page book to, like, you know, six weeks. Yeah. Um, just kind of crazy. I could have literally been read in a day. <laughs> yeah. That's how I normally take poem books. But what I really liked about how we just read it in general is that I really could, I guess, dive deep into what she said versus just taking everything as a whole, <clears throat> which is what I normally do. But I feel like since we had such, I guess, <clears throat> sorry, I'm just losing my voice apparently. I think because the spacing, it wasn't slow. I feel like poem books are never really slow because they talk about like such different ideas in each section. So you just kind of, went I guess what I'm trying to say is it, no, it's not slow. And the way we read the book uh, really kind of complemented it. I like that. It did compliment it. Yeah. Do you have anything else to talk about? I guess we could talk about, like, <laughs> did we like it? Did it change any opinions or, like, un undiscovered biases we've had about the topic? Or, like, how did it... I guess, affect our perception? I definitely did like the book. Um, it makes me want to kind of start a garden. I think I might start an actual garden. It's my um, Yeah, I'm just taking that from you. <laughs> Got plants all over you. Can't see them, but they're everywhere. I see them in the little corner. Your plant, <laughs> it's like hanging. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely like this book. I feel like I could say that I'm a more spiritual person. I like my little, um, I had to recharge, recharge my crystals because they're my good luck charms. And I feel like I really, not related to the book because obviously I wasn't there in that time period, but there was like certain parts where I'm just like, oh yeah, I get that. Yeah. Kind of thing. I feel like it's interesting because I never hear about, and unfortunately they've kind of lost so it is interesting to hear from a perspective that I feel like we don't get to hear very much from. I definitely feel like the losers can definitely be heard from, but I wouldn't classify them as losers per se. They're not losers. They've just been kind of rolled over and forced into the shadows. I definitely get like why you'd use that term because they're not like losers as in like they lost the game but i feel like they did get the short end of the stick yeah. is that the thing i don't know i think but, so yeah that's what i was trying to say i think the losers are those that don't realize their mistakes and i feel like the winners are the ones that uh somehow managed to get ingrained in history the ones that actually managed to make a difference so in this case i feel like um I wouldn't classify Andrew Jackson as a loser, but he's definitely not a winner. He was a terrible person, but he was definitely memorized as a uh, odd one. Yeah, I feel like no one really talks about Andrew Jackson. I don't really know anything about him, I guess. Basically, he was invincible. I like he knew, but like not really. Like I know like about him, but like do I really? Yeah. No, probably not. From what we see today, uh, I think most people see him as human trash. 
<laughs> yeah, people view the same with Christopher Columbus. Because he didn't discover America. Yeah. He just discovered some lands that people had been living on for thousands of years and decided to rape and pillage them. By accident. He like yeah, exactly. by he thought it was like Egypt, right? India. India. He was looking for spices. I thought it was India, bro. <laughs> spices. It's a very like ignorant thing to call, you know, <laughs> the incorrect group of Indians and somehow it's stuck and that's just terrible because yeah. you just view the whole culture so flippantly like, oh yeah, they're savages. They committed human sacrifice when in fact, we don't know how even popular that was. We may have, um, the Spaniards may have just over-dramatized that, you know? I think uh, only one specific group uh, actually committed human sacrifice, but the Spaniards managed to make it so that they generalized an entire like, culture of different cultures. Uh, like, take example of Africa. We think of it as like a giant state. It's a continent. It has multiple different cultures within it. And somehow yeah. um, the Spaniards managed to make it so that we classified all the people in there as sacrificial uh, savages. Who still live in huts when in fact there's like skyscrapers and full on. True. We went to Africa and we went there and I was like, not what I was expecting. Of course, some spot, like some parts, because we went to like volunteer, some parts were like of lower class. But like, if you go into like major cities, like you wouldn't be able to tell the difference from there in Las Vegas. Like everything is just so modern. And it's crazy that people still think of it as people living in huts without shoes. Because like all the commercials we see are like, people of like the lowest class like who need like help obviously but to classify every single person in an entire continent as that is absolutely insane yeah i feel like we're still kind of viewing africa as like a i don't know like an ancient culture that just relies on like hunting and gathering when in fact you know they're like a i wouldn't say advanced civilization because i don't really think in the general sense, anyone is technically advanced. We're all just kind of claiming, yeah. I don't know, technological advances, but that doesn't make us any more smarter as we're, you know, kind of killing mm -hmm. people or, you know, our skin color. <laughs> but they are very, they're a lot more advanced than people give them credit for. We just don't talk about Zimbabwe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but they're like any other place, you know, they have civil wars like we did and Europe has and I don't know, it's just where you look down. Think about because even in Europe, there's some places that are like less advanced than even Africa and like people don't get that. Because no, we just, we view them on like such a high pedestal for, well, I guess because most of us are <laughs> European of descent, but like we just view them as like, I don't know, we just, like, lust after them. Like, I know I've always, like, been obsessed with, like, France and England. And it's, like, that's very, like, a slim, that's a very slim, I guess, culture to look at when, like, there's this whole other world that we don't give credit to for being, like, interesting. Yeah. I like how I'm a little bit of everything. I'm part French. Like, I'm, like, half European, half, like, African, Native American. I'm literally, if you, like, took everything and put it into one, because we took like our ancestry test and I'm just like, wow, I'm not just a one thing. 
I'm like 30 billion things. Yeah, and I'm actually of German descent and a little bit of Native American. So it's just, it's interesting, like, maybe not all of us are of Native American descent, but like, you know, some of us are, and we still don't even give credit to the people who came before us. It's true. I think it's a large part of just being uninformed because a lot of stuff is just not easily accessible. Yeah. Like, we don't really care to look yeah. even if it was acceptable. I mean, those people that care, they want other people to know. But the issue is, like, it's difficult because there's so many people that you can inform, but who's going to actually listen to what you're saying? Yeah. It's a, it's just uphill battle, but hopefully as time passes, we'll kind of be more accepting of, of who we were and like our past and we'll learn from it rather than kind of try to separate ourselves from something that happened very recently. Here's something I just remembered. What we want is a utopia, but if we do get it, I don't think it's going to end well. Humans are generally conflicted creatures. They don't want to like live together. One of the uh, biggest like examples of this, it happened in mice, actually. If you've ever heard of the mice utopia experiment, basically these scientists made an uh, area of just utopia for mice. And what happened was they separated into different groups. Different groups would feed at different times. Some of them would just like capture giant like areas of food and then they would just like not allow other rats to take it. Some of them literally became eunuchs. Wow. That's for crazy. My, yeah, for my project that we're doing, I can't remember what it's called now. But like I was going to try and make a utopia, but of course that's impossible like any you know book would tell you like there, i've read so many books about like societies that have tried to make it perfect when in fact it's so fragmented and messed up that it kind of i don't know it kind of makes me not want to live in like a utopia i just want to yeah. i don't know just hope people stop killing each other over stupid stuff that's like my only goal right now yeah i related back to a book i read like probably in like the fifth grade called the giver and yeah. it's it's basically the same thing like they try to make everything perfect but the system is flawed because seeking perfection just doesn't end well and people are going to rebel and when you're given certain tasks you have to in rules that are so strict that you have to abide by people are obviously not going to stick by those rules forever yeah and divergent i don't know if you guys have heard of it but um they're separated into like categories yeah yeah you know i could tell literally they're separated and like it's the whole idea was because people like had issues like with i don't know issues with like the genes or something so they were made like imperfect and like the search of perfection and so they try and like separate people into different groups to like achieve perfection when in fact it backfires every single time they try just like different timelines The history of Russia. Communism. 
Because if you think about it, the original theory of communism was that everyone was equal, everybody got what they wanted. The issue is corruption happened, and that created one of the worst regimes in history. It caused a lot of starvation. It caused a lot of issues with just people not being able to have basic human rights. Yeah. And if you look at like capitalism, the idea that if you work hard enough, you can get whatever you need. When in fact, like that means that, you know, this 1% of the population has all the money in the rest of the world, or not the rest of the world, the rest of the society is just left out in the open, but like, oh, hey, if you work hard enough, you'll get whatever you want. When in fact, there's like so many things working against you that it just, you know, it fails and one percent of the country, you know, is hoarding the wealth. So like the Hunger Games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's crazy because when I read all these like dystopian books when I was younger, it was like it felt so far from reality. But like now as I'm growing up and, you know, the blinders are coming off, it's like we're just as messed up, if not more messed up than these these books because, you know, this is reality. and We kind of have to deal with it. True. I remember when I was younger, I was probably like seven years old, and I was watching Hunger Games for the very first time ever. And my mom was like, just wait till you turn 13. That's what they're going to do to you. And I remember I started bawling my eyes out because I was like, I'm, I don't want to die. Yeah. It's just weird to see how when we're younger, everything seems so perfect. But now kind of fiction kind of feels really realistic lately especially with like COVID and racial differences and just a lot of stuff coming out that it just, I feel like fiction is a little more like happy and like more positive than this current world. Even if, even if COVID wasn't there, like the whole idea, the whole ideas of this general society is kind of messed up. And it's hard to escape. I wonder what would happen if we just abolished humans. <laughs> the earth would regenerate itself and it would be a happy-go-lucky place until the next round of humans came along. Exactly. Yeah, it's just like, how do we fix this problem with global warning? Just like literally kill everyone and then everything I mean, would be... Yeah. Or we could just leave for a while and then come back like in Wally. Just go to like a different planet. Mm -hmm. And destroy that place. You go to Mars. <clears throat> Yeah, there was a, a video I watched about like what happens if all the humans disappeared and it's interesting that like, you know, the earth would kind of revitalize itself and everything would kind of go back to normal. But if we continue along this road, like the earth is not going to recover. I think I watched a video about like the same general concept, like all the animals of the world, like oh, the big ones would ever go back like the big dogs would like turn into packs of wolves and stuff everything would change yeah my dog would not make it mm -mm. <laughs> none of my dogs would i have a like, bulldog and like an older dog who she's like almost a hundred and i have a little dog oh, who's just almost a hundred oh yeah in dog years oh. not like <laughs> that would be insane especially since she's such a large dog because large how but like none that? of my dogs would make it because they're just they're so reliant on humans and yeah you know the funny thing is when dogs are younger they actually grow faster and when they get older they start growing like slower way slower 
So by the age of like 21 or 35, uh, your dog would technically be progressing in age around the same amount as a normal human would. That's also, cool. Go ahead. The whole dog years concept is, is just getting more messed up as I yeah. more about it. I don't like the dog years thing. It makes like my dog can't be older than me. It was actually something I read that's like, um, you know, the whole thing about so like when you, they see a passing of a human, it's like it's like a whole whole creature has just been gone and it's just so like eternal and it's just so sad because it's like I you know how dogs just view humans in such a high manner somehow we bred them that way but it's just interesting to just think about I guess we, dogs. we really don't we don't deserve pets in general but you know that's not going to stop us we take what we want that's that that's how our human nature works we want it we take it yeah it's funny like in comparison to dogs i think we created one of the worst animals possible hamsters <laughs> we created yeah. hamsters i mean it wouldn't be a surprise <laughs> if we did because there's multiple different breeds and honestly i doubt like any normal like rat creature would have became a hamster if we didn't breed it like yes. take for say naked mole rats Actually, um, I was a big guinea pig, guinea pig person when I was younger, and I learned that like guinea pigs are completely extinct in the wild, which is insane because we've just we've taken them away from like where they came from. Now they're just pets, and that's so all. Put it back. <laughs> I know, but they would just die. They have no survivalist instincts. I remember when I was little, I always told my mom that I wanted an armadillo. Oh, a literal armadillo! Like they're not small. So there's the one I wanted was not small. <laughs> or a platypus. I could name him Perry. <laughs> I feel like there are just some TV shows that our generation, everyone just knows. Even if you've never seen it, you just know every single reference. And it's interesting how, mm -hmm. like, each culture is separated by the TV shows, the video games, and the movies we watch. Yeah. I think one of the best well-known like displays of this is I remember in some random like uh Japanese classroom there's this like there's just this display of the best known American meme possible and it was just a few sticks. It was the meme loss. Oh. You know what that is, don't you? Yeah. I'll have to look it up. Oh boy. That was in I'm sure I know it, I just can't think of it. It was literally just like a few lines and nobody in Jeff, uh, Japan knew of it. Some literal like uh, American person or related to American had to go up to the class and explain what it was. Huh. I feel like we just have such a strange sense of humor and like I literally think we'll laugh at a rock. If it was on the ground the wrong way, I'd laugh at a rock for five minutes. But like, I feel like if anybody from a different country were to witness that, they'd be like, oh, she's insane. She needs to go to like, a mental hospital. Yeah, like with this whole, like, where everything's going down, we're all kind of falling apart. I just, I laugh at stuff I shouldn't be laughing at. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm in history and I, I laughed, oh, I can't remember what it was, but I just laughed at like, oh, what always makes me laugh is some cult, 
some country decided to invade Russia in like the middle of winter. And that just cracks me up every single time I hear it. Because it's like, yes, that meant a bunch of people died, but it's still so funny. Oh my god, that was the darkest thing. If I'm not wrong, it was the Nazis. I didn't realize they invaded in winter. Yeah, they they made the same uh, mistake that Napoleon did too. It was Napoleon, yeah, that. Yeah, people, history's there for us to learn from our past mistakes, and yeah, we never do. We have all the resources, and yet nothing comes from it. Well, anyways, I think we should wrap this up. Yeah. yeah we kind of got off topic a little bit and just went on and on. I mean, it was pretty funny. Yeah. It's a good talk. Nice meeting you guys. I don't know if we'll ever see you again. <laughs> the way this is going. Unless we go back to school. Yeah. I think I had James in like a few classes last year. Yeah. Probably most of them. Yeah, I didn't go to West Tech last year. I can't wait to see our teacher in a tent. <laughs> That's a good idea though. I should get like one of those umbrellas with like shields coming down. I can just walk around my own little bubble. Just get a hamster ball. All righty. So we're finished with the book, correct? Yeah, that's it. All right.